This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, I'm Philip Mock, and welcome to the Retirement Detective Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to look back on our episodes of 2024, and I'm going to highlight three of the most downloaded and popular episodes and just give you a brief synopsis of what you might find there. If you've not listened to those already, we'll recap 2023 and look ahead to 2024 in today's episode. I looked over the statistics for the podcast and there were really three episodes that stood out that were far and away more popular than really all of the other episodes. So I'm going to walk through those today. The first one is I did a series in the summer about examining social security and it was a two part series. Specifically the first episode was very popular when we're looking at social security, there's so many different things to consider. You can take it at all of these different ages. If you're married, that brings in a level of complexity too. And it's not as easy as just looking up on Google, when should I take social security? Because everyone's situation is so different. If you do Google, when should I take social security? You're likely to get one of three answers. You should either A, take it at age 70 because your benefit will be the highest. B, you should take it at full retirement age so that your benefits aren't reduced. Or C, you should take it as early as possible so that you can get the benefit for the longest. And none of those are great answers because they're not specific to you. But for most people, there is a a relatively specific answer. It's based on what your income is, what your expenses are, and your family health history, you can make a pretty educated guess on what the right answer should be as far as when you take Social Security. However, we don't really know what the right answer is because we don't have that magical crystal ball to look into the future to see when we might pass away. But if you take some time to review the rules and strategize and think about it, do some cash flow planning, you can arrive at a as good of an answer as you can with the data that you've got. That series also looks at the different situations that arise with divorce with Social Security, uh, which can get pretty complicated, and survivor benefits. So if that applies to you and you haven't listened to those episodes, I would certainly encourage you to do so. The first episode in the series was taking uh, about taking Social Security on your own earnings history. And then the second episode was about taking Social Security based on the earnings history of your spouse from either spousal benefit, survivor benefit, or divorced spouse benefits. Looking down the list of statistics for my episodes, the second most popular episode was one of the very first episodes that I did 
which was about the differences between investment advisors and brokers. And since it was one of the early episodes, please don't judge me based on the audio quality, but apparently the content was definitely well-received. So in the investment advisory world, there are really two classifications of people that you could perhaps work with in a professional relationship. There are investment advisor representatives and there are brokers. And an investment advisor is someone that is a fiduciary. So they're required by law to act in your best interest and to put the client's interest ahead of their own. A broker operates under the suitability standard, which is a little less rigorous. The suitability standard, in a nutshell, says they have to look at your situation today and say, is this recommendation seem like a good idea? They don't really have to contemplate the future. Also, if two recommendations are otherwise equal, but one pays the broker a lot more, they're allowed to recommend that option as long as the uh, the recommendation fits otherwise. Investment advisors are much different. So the way that these two groups of individuals are paid are quite different as well. Investment advisors are usually paid by a percentage of the assets that they manage, and some advisors are paid on a flat fee basis. There are a few out there that are also hourly. Brokers are generally paid based on transactions. So when transactions are made, they're paid a commission, and often there's a revenue sharing element too. So they're they're making a an ongoing fee depending on what funds they sell you and also probably a commission based on the initial purchase or sale. Investment advisors are not paid based on transactions. They're paid based on assets that they manage or a flat fee or time spent, but not transactionally. So an investment advisor that may recommend you know, three different purchases for you, their pay will probably not be impacted by whether you choose option one, option two, or option three. Whereas if a broker presents you with three investment opportunities, their pay probably will be different between option one, option two, or option three. So if you work with a broker, then you should understand how they're paid. Ask them, hey, what are the transaction fees for this purchase What do I need to know about this purchase to be more informed? With an investment advisor, they're not paid based on transactions. They're paid based on sort of a a more broad payment for the relationship as a whole. So with an investment advisor, you should be focused on the delivery of the advice, the quality and the depth of the advice that they're giving you, and also in consideration of any other services they may provide for that fee, like financial planning or tax planning, that sort of thing. Additionally, there are different licenses for investment advisors and brokers. If you go to the FINRA or SEC website, uh, different types of advisors have to take different tests put on by the government and their numbers, and they're called series exams. So there's like series seven, series six, series 65, series 66, etc. Investment advisors generally take the series 65 exam 
and brokers generally take the Series 7 exam. So if you look up on a website called the Broker Check, so Google SEC Broker Check, and you can type in the name of your advisor, and it will tell you if they're an investment advisor or a broker, and then you can verify that based on the exams that they have taken. Now, there are some other certifications or licenses that may exempt an advisor from having to take one of those exams, like the CFP, Certified Financial Planner Exam, the CFA, the Chartered Financial Analyst Exam, and the CPA, a Certified Public Accountant. If you see one of those on their listing, they may not have taken the Series 65 uh, because they may be exempt having passed one of those exams. The the certifications I just mentioned, CFA, CFP, CPA, those are all much, much, much more rigorous exams than the tests the government issues to become an investment advisor or a broker. The third episode that's been really popular is the one titled Investigating Tax Penalties. So when we pay taxes, we sort of have a goal. We want to pay all that we legally owe, but no more. And no citizen in the United States, in my humble opinion, should have to pay any more than what they rightfully owe. However, we also have a duty to actually pay what we owe. And those that do not can face penalties and interest from the government. So we all need to pay our fair share and pay it on time. Investigating tax penalties primarily focuses on underpayment penalties, which is basically the situation where you have income for the year and you either paid no tax along the way or you did not pay enough tax along the way. And at the end of the year in the computation, it was determined that the estimated payments you made or the withholdings from your paycheck were not sufficient. And as a result, you have a penalty for not paying on time. Now, there are ways around that, and that's discussed in the episode, but the two easiest ways to get around that are through your withholding, if you're still employed, to make sure that your withholding on your paycheck is withdrawing a sufficient amount in tax to meet the guidelines such that you don't have to pay a penalty. And then the second way is to make estimated tax payments, and this is common for folks that are retired, folks that are self-employed and folks that have other income sources where there couldn't really be a withholding like royalties or um, oil and gas income, that sort of thing. What you do is on a quarterly basis, you look at the income that you had for the quarter that did not have any withholding. You make an estimate of what the taxes will be on that income for the quarter and you go ahead and pay it to the government that quarter. And then come tax time, you're credited for all of the estimated payments and withholdings that you made throughout the year. And the advantage of doing that is that you avoid the penalties. So if, you know, let's say in a tax return that you're going to end up owing $100,000 in tax, it might seem like the same thing to pay $100,000 all at the end of the year or 100,000 broken up, 25, 25, 25, 25. But from the IRS's perspective, the 25, 25, 25, 25 is a much better way to do it and a way that helps you avoid penalty. 
Lastly, we talk about the safe harbor provision, which is basically they look at your prior year's tax return and the amount that you owe at the end of the current year. And there's a way to basically make sure you pay in enough such that you avoid penalties. You may not avoid owing tax at the end of the year, but as long as you pay a certain amount, which is a percentage of your prior year's income, as long as you pay in at least that amount, you are safe harbored from owing any penalties. 2023 has been a good year. We started this podcast in February, so we're coming up on a full year. And I appreciate all of you that are repeat listeners and tune in to hear me speak about retirement planning, financial planning, tax planning, all that good stuff. We're excited for what 2024 will bring for the podcast. And I look forward to speaking with you all next year, as this will be the last episode for 2023. I certainly hope 2024 will be a prosperous year for all of you. And I wish you each a very happy new year. See you next time. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only.